Hi, Richie. Hi, Sin. Hi, everyone. So today we have a very special podcast with a very special guest. Say hello, special guest. Hello. And you can tell the special guest listens to the Snack Covenant because they waited for us to finish the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to say this. Just randomly stumbling upon your YouTube series and channel was one of the happiest accidents ever. Aww. That's what I call my sister. <laughs> <laughs> You've had her on this. That's horrible. And thank you for enjoying the podcast, everyone. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> so, Casey, can you tell us a little about yourself? Uh, of course. Ever since Dark Souls just came out, I always had an interest in in them and the whole series. But my first chance to actually play a Dark Souls properly and like own it was actually Dark Souls 3 on the PS4 and Bloodborne. Granted, since then, I have actually gone back and I've played through two. I haven't played one yet. I was going to get it when the remaster came out. What was it like last year? But I've always been a, a fan of the lore and all that. And I've enjoyed the other games that have come since then, and some of the Souls-like. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Richie, can you tell us about yourself and uh, how you relate to Souls games? It's a serious question. What do you want? Oh my god, can you see, do you see, do you see the bullying? It when starts. I was a teenager, it's I liked Armored Core a lot. And it starts, then... I get no rest. When I was a teenager, I liked Armored Core a lot, then I turned 20 and stopped having money, and then after that I bought a PS3 and it had Demon Souls on it, because I was the people that made Armored Core, and now here we are. I have to agree, it's like as soon as I turned uh, 20, 21 in that area, it's like, yay! I'm broke. Yeah, yeah. And to all the kids listening at home, put some money away. I know you're still in high school. I know the future seems far off, but put the money away now. You won't have it later. <laughs> On the next episode of SHD... Thank you. Okay. And, um, Richie, can you tell us what we'll be talking about on today's episode of The Snack Covenant? We're going to be talking about the influence of souls on tabletop RPGs and other games. Awesome. And this sort of fits in because, like, we've, we've done a bunch of tabletop episodes recently. They haven't come out yet, though. No. So this is, this is all going to, like, they're all sort of going to come out at once. We're going to have, like, tabletop... Yeah. This was not intentional, but we'll, we're going to just do a whole lot of tabletop content in a row. Just remember to cut out the whole non-intentional part, so that way you can pull a light Yagami and go, Just as planned. <laughs> oh my god. References. I've got vintage ones. <laughs> what do you mean vintage? I just saw that anyway last week. I gotta say, it was not as good as Reborn.
well, they are also very, very different in terms of everything. <laughs> because one's a supernatural, like, thriller or and detective story, but from the uh, perpetrator's point of view. And so, like, a reverse detective story, I guess. And then the other involves magical hitmen and the descendant of a, uh Italian mob boss. Well, that sounds like it's a story from a perpetrator's point of view as well. Yeah, honestly, yeah. <laughs> He's literally a hitman, and <laughs> he is part of the mafia. You see, Reborn encompasses everything. It's the best anime, because you just gotta watch that, and you don't need to watch anything else. Going back on topic slightly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have an outline. <laughs> yeah, and this one was helpfully created by Casey. Thank you, Casey. Yeah. Yay. So everyone, let's turn to the angelic outline. In nomine Padre et Filii Spiritus Sancte. So tell me, how would you define a Souls game? I think there is a few different ways you could you could probably try to define it. And the first is probably the worst way that I've seen people try to define Souls game of, this game is hard, this game is unfairly difficult, Cuphead is the Dark Souls of platformers. <laughs> I, I think more accurate would probably be a game that, you know, is difficult, but it's not some unfair, annoying kind of difficulty. Like, I want to be the guy or getting over it. Yeah. As well as, well, there is a story, and you can get at least a good chunk of it by just playing through and not reading anything or really paying attention to dialogue. Most of the story, most of the explanation, all that, is told to you in rather unconventional ways, like reading item descriptions or... Yeah. And... Well, there is kind of a black and white. Most moral decisions, when they do show up, are a lot more shades of gray. Yeah. Like 50 shades of gray? Hopefully not, because then, I'm sorry, but if it's 50 shades of gray, or the original version of it, Masters of the Universe, then I think your uh, channel might be getting banned from YouTube. Oh. Because, uh, you know, that's just a BDM BDSM fanfic. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say this, uh, just in case you didn't know, Fifty Shades of Grey was originally a Twilight fan fiction by the author called Masters of the Universe. We're the Masters of the Universe. Princess of the Universe. <laughs> We're the Princes of the Universe. You guys want to talk about Highlander the Stad? <laughs> maybe, maybe another time. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I just looked at, we've just gone into double-digit minutes, so. <laughs> Alright. Alright. So before Richie starts bullying everyone, because we've gone into the double-digit of minutes. I'm the audience identification figure in the podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm the one who says this has been going on a bit long, we need to move on, because that's what the audience are also thinking. <laughs> okay Richie, would you like to add anything? Um, 
there's a fair amount you can say about like the construction and interpretation of genres. So I don't know how like much time you want to spend because the same thing can be true of RPG. But basically, like there's not there's a whole field called genre studies that does this. But there's not like a giant like stone tablet upon which genres are inscribed like in perpetuity. There are there are shifting thing and and basically like the way in which genres are created is just that people just start to agree that a bunch of things have similarities. So like when we talk about souls like like it's you can look at the games that are considered souls likes. They don't they don't have one thing that they share in common. Like um Hollow Knight was called a souls like that's a 2D platformer. Doesn't really play like Dark Souls. And like uh, Gary and Cole have talked about this a lot that like the the games that were more successful sort of Dark Souls imitators did not copy the combat. So things like Lords of the Fallen were sort of less successful than something like, um, yeah, like Hollow Knight. And you have games like The Surge, which kind of copies the mechanics, but doesn't copy the aesthetics and things like that. Or uh, or Neo, which is like, that actually was in development before Dark Souls, and then some Dark Souls DNA kind of got into it with the, the stamina and like the key gauge and everything. So, like... The, there's not like one specific way of saying something as a souls like it's just a shorthand that we've come up with to describe things that it's like we're recognizing elements of a pattern that is recurring. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you, Richie. You said Neo was in development before Dark Souls. Neo had an extremely long development. It was based on a film script at one point, I think. That <laughs> was never made. But like we we talked about this when we did Kingsfield, but like. Kingsfield is a game that also, like, it had a similar aesthetic to it. It had stamina-based combat. It had, like, very, very deadly encounters. It had the the cryptic storytelling and everything, but we don't talk about Kingsfield likes, because basically Kingsfield was a really niche thing. It didn't, it didn't influence a lot of people. Games journalists were not, like, obsessed with Kingsfield in the same way that they're obsessed with Dark Souls. That's too bad, because I find Kingsfield to be a superior game to dark souls yeah i i sadly can't weigh in on that since i have well i've heard good things i haven't yet myself played kingsfield i now that i've heard what you guys said i'll probably have to look into that hmm. cool okay thank you now now can you tell me what's an rpg game since you said RPG game and not just RPG, so we're not talking about rocket propelled grenades, <laughs> which, which though, and if we, and if I wanted to be really technical with the grammar, what you just asked is, what is an, a role playing game game? I see Casey's team, Richie. Y'all gonna bully me together today? Okay. No, I, no, no. I see how it is. I, okay, I'm just. A- I'm going to Discord <laughs> and Autumn, Richie. And Casey are bullying me. I haven't bullied you at all today. (laughs) So, uh, now let's get back to the question. Casey, could you tell me what's an RP game? Okay, a a role-playing game, I think that would be a much better definition, is where where you can either play or create a, a specific role or character that is very integral to the story in some way. And as you play, your character does improve, does grow. So, so there is a sense of 
progression. There is a sense of improvement. Or you're, you can see your choices affect the world in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, you know, The Witcher, the Elder Scrolls series, Fallout, and then, of course, uh, the games like Neo, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, what have you. Yeah, so I guess, like, going back to what we were saying before about genres being a mutable thing, I think, like, the the best description of RPG is just that it descends mechanically from Dungeons & Dragons, because that was, like, the first sort of, like, codified role-playing game. But, like, I, we've dated ourselves as being old, but, like, I remember when the early Zelda games came out, up until... You know, well into the 2000s, people would, would refer to them as RPGs, even though we wouldn't call them that today. Basically based on the fact that it was like a fantasy-based thing and you had like you had a big open world to explore and your stats went up. But we would now like we give them this nebulous category of like adventure because if they don't have like experience points, they don't really have builds. You just sort of like find items and they'd say, well, the, the fact you're finding items means they're not an RPG and things like that. And then that raises all questions about like is Sekiro an RPG because like you technically get skill points but your stats are based on finding prayer beads but then like if you get skill points does that make Call of Duty an RPG and you run into all sorts of like you know complicated like questions so um I think saying like a game that descends mechanically from Dungeons and Dragons is about as good as you're going to get in terms of a description so like the Dark Souls games um, do descend mechanically because they have that like they don't even really have an experience point system they have the soul system but like they've they've come to sort of like they've come into being via Kingsfield which is like a sort of attempt to make a an action based version of something like wizardry which descends from D&D so and well it doesn't have an experience system per se again going with how terms are nebulous souls just like Blood Echoes and Bloodborne, and yeah, they're a strange fusion between both experience points and money. Yeah, though I do know that that has been done in tabletop games before. Yeah, yeah. Hero Quest did it the other way around, where you just had money, and your um your stats were just based on how much money you had. You then traded that in to like, get stronger. Uh, well, and the old uh, Ghostbusters uh, tabletop RPG from the eighties. Mm. Yeah, you. It was because uh, you didn't really have money per se in that game, but you did. But you did get these points f- through you know conquering challenges and other such yeah. goals. And these points you could use to either improve your character or to improve a dice roll. Yeah, they're called brownie points. Thank you. I, I was struggling to remember what they were. <laughs> yeah, so it depends on the level of abstraction that you want, because, like, if you're dealing with, like, a Ghostbusters game, you want to keep things sort of fairly abstracted because it's about, like, the wacky adventure that you're going on. You don't want to get bogged down in, like, money and things. Whereas something like um, like a dungeon crawl, you just sort of want to get a bit more crunchy in terms of, like, survival and things like that. Uh-huh. Ghostbusters versus the Orphan of Cars. Who would win? <laughs> well, the Ghostbusters RPG was written by the guy who wrote the Call of Cthulhu RPG, so they're kind of connected. And the fact that I haven't seen t- too many people actually like take on and do stuff with Ghostbusters for the tabletop realm 
yeah. is really is actually kind of sad because because you could play it incredibly like wacky and tongue it firmly in cheek, or you could be more serious, or you could be more true to the films and where mm. you have these you have a nice blend of okay, yeah, we there's a world thing going on, but we still have these little moments of levity. Yeah. Yeah, an RPG is a game of improvement with some form of uh, abstraction, and being a descendant of uh, Dungeons and Dragons is a nice touch. Well, I'm sure people have probably had probably homebrewed and messed around with the rules of their war games beforehand. Mm, yeah, Gygax and company probably were the first ones to actually codify the rules for playing a single character as opposed to a squad, and then thinking, "I bet we could sell this." Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you. So now let's talk about some Souls-influenced RPGs. Yay. All right. Well, let me just quickly roll my dice. Okay. <laughs> How many dice do you have? Uh, it, when you ask, That's a loaded question to ask a tabletop RPG player. <laughs> because... I, I've I've had over the course of me playing tabletop games, which I've been playing since I was fifteen or fourteen. I have quite a few sets, as well as I also have like a, a bag of just like I have like one or two bags of like just ten sided dice and one of just like six sided dice. Uh, okay, well, as a <laughs> a regular human, <laughs> a lowly regular human, what I meant was, how do you have two dice on you right now? I have I have uh, in front of me seven dice. In fact, okay. So okay, take one dice into your left hand, and then take one dice into your right hand. Okay, Richie, are you the left hand or the right hand? The left hand. Okay, and I'll be the right hand. So then roll both dice and tell us who gets the high number, and. If it's the right hand, then I win, and if it's the left hand, then Richie wins. Okay, and just to make this fair, I'm and for the people at home, I'm using two d two ten sided dice or d tens. Let's see, right hand rolled a five, left hand rolled a one. Oh, oh, that means I win, right? Uh, yes, you are the right hand. What were the stakes? Like what did you? What did you? Oh, well, win? you know what they stakes for, Richie. Richie, look at me, because before they rolled, I thought about it, and you know what the stakes are. There's only one stake in this entire podcast. There is only one legitimate stake. Does it involve reborn? No, reborn's already done. We're already going to watch the entire 300 episodes. It's already uh-huh. been sealed. It's, I don't recall no. agreeing to that. You know me. I only have one thing that I love in life. <laughs> Let's just do the rest of this discussion. Yeah, and then, right? After. All right, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Richie. You're the best. Thank you. I also have, a, like, a mug of dice on my desk, if we need that for any reason. A whole mug? Yeah, it's actually it's a skull-shaped mug. Filled with dice? Well, they're all D6s, but yeah. What do you do with them? In case I need dice. They're not they're not that expensive. Spoilers. <laughs> My like go-to relaxation video is a guy who reviews bags of dice. <laughs> it's kind of like ASMR. He's just rolling them out, looking at them individually, talking about the colors, talking about like the consistency. Oh, which reminds me. Okay. Okay, a little side note. Um 
do, 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 do. what have I not? Okay. Uh, okay. I don't think I've shown this yet. Okay. Okay, guess what I'm showing off? Mm. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm going to, it sounds like it might be a, uh, a, a textured hardback book. You're close. It's a box. But what's inside the box? You can see what's inside by looking at the cover. And I'm touching the cover right now. Is it one of those, like, uh, you know, deluxe bonus edition add-on thingamabobs? So you're close, I think, if I understand what you're saying. This is a... Is it Fallout? <laughs> Build your model of the future today. Hard Work is Happy Work by Vault Tech. It's a Pip Boy, uh, like, kit. You can build your own Pip Boy. Okay. It, that is similar to what I was saying, and that is pretty cool. It's awesome. Okay, random tangent. Dark Souls would be a lot different of an experience, Bloodborne 2, if it had vats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. So going back on topic, let's talk about some Souls-influenced RPGs. Yep. We were provided a list of All these right. by Casey, and I looked into the ones I could find. Before we get to the specifics, one thing I would like to add, this is a chicken and egg scenario, because if you look at since the twenty, the early 2010s, it seems like in the tabletop RPGs, there's been a lot of darker and grittier games. Yeah, yeah. The reason I think it's a kind of a chicken and egg is if you go back to the beginning of the hobby, there's always been darker or more dangerous versions of games or rule sets. Yeah. So it's like, so is it just because it's the information age and it's easier to find them? I think, um, they've, yeah, I think Kickstarter is a big part of it because, uh, Kickstarter has like led to an awful lot of like tabletop stuff happening because they can sort of guarantee an audience. And if you, if you know, you have a guaranteed audience, um, and you, you like you can sell to a nation things in a way you can't normally. Yeah, and, and two of the specific examples actually had Kickstarters. Which, speaking of, yeah, the first one yeah. is a rules agnostic setting. Which, for those of you who don't know, rules agnostic means that while it is a complete setting, it is not tied to any particular rule set. Well, there may be an appendix in the back or on, like, the publisher's website. For those of you who want to use it for the specific rule set, it's it's more for those people who just want to have a setting, like, ready just to plop down. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that way, the uh, game master or dungeon master, whatever your preferred parlance is, doesn't have to try to create a world. Because, well, some really like it, It's creating a, a whole world is also a lot of effort. And making sure everything makes sense is a lot of effort. And some would rather just go, here's a world, I just want to run it. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, Sin, do you, have you seen any of Embers of the Forgotten Kingdom? No. I'm going to send you two images from it, and you tell okay. me what you think. Okay. <laughs> so that's the cover. 
So we have a maiden in black. Mm-hmm. Um, she appears to be linking some sort of fire, perhaps keeping it in some way. Like, if you showed this to me randomly, just the picture of yeah. this maiden in black, yeah. I'd be like, Dark Souls 3 got a novel. Yeah, she's holding a kind of Dark Souls-looking sword. It's this, like, weird twisted handle. Looks like almost like she's holding a key. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of the uh, sword from the uh, wedding ceremonial, the symbol of evolument. Yeah. And so behind her, there's like a bunch of swords stuck into the ground. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some like gothic, gothic ruins. <laughs> but before you think they have no ideas whatsoever, she's got a phoenix in her hand. <laughs> I mean, like, we need to be clear, this is very- this is clearly meant to be, I want to run Dark Souls. Like, it's not- they're not making any, um- yeah. Reminds me of, like, there's a- there's a game called Kings of War that I play that is blat- that is so blatantly just, like, this is for people who got sick of the Warhammer rules and how expensive the models were. So they just- it's everything from Warhammer with the names slightly altered. And they make no- they make no attempt to pretend it's anything else. It reminds me a bit of that. So here's something else I'm going to send you from Embers of the Forgotten. Okay. This is from the preview you okay. can get. Oh my god! <laughs> I love it! And I do own this PDF as well, so what image did you just send our wonderful hostess? The frozen moon. So I'm pretty sure that's that's literally like, that. if you saw that, you'd think that is just a covenant item from Dark Souls. Could you describe it for people listening? You know how in Dark Souls, the items, sometimes they're on a little, like, wooden circular stand? Yeah. If you put, if you put the Dark Moon on that, <laughs> it's that. And it, it has an item description that says, A simple brooch shaped as a crescent moon and made from royal silver. It was said these signified the mark of the Queen's guard a noble rank to attain. It is also believed that the moon reflects the state of the Queen's mind, but the brooch is now dull and cold to the touch. Which is like that final line is extremely like Dark Soulsy. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the aesthetic is very heavily based on it, as well as some of other things. It does have its own yeah. identity. Yeah, because the gist of it is this is a now they they explain how you could fit it to be like a pocket dimension or you know a, a kingdom trapped you know in between a valley or on an island across the sea. They have different ways you can slot it into an existing world. Yeah. If you intend to. And there's several locations that say if your players are coming from a different land, here's a good way way they could come. But the gist of this kingdom is many many moons ago uh a great warrior fell in love with a fairy queen. And he w- wed this fairy queen, and they became the first rulers of the Kingdom of Ember. But since, you know, the queen is, is a fae, she is immortal. The humans are not. So the way it kind of works is this. When the, the, you know, the king and the queen, you know get married, you know, have some kids. Eventually, the queen will will go into a rest, an almost death-like state, to recoup her power. And the king will rule and all that and raise the children. And then, when the king passes away, one of the children 
becomes the new king, weds the queen, and the cycle repeats. And all the souls of the previous kings kind of get formed into like a gestalt entity. From my understanding is that uh, it acts as kind of a failsafe, you know, everything is breaking, the queen can kind of call forth just entity formed of the souls of the all past kings to try to fix things by basically by just burning everything down to ash. And the, the setting of Kingdoms of Ember is the current king didn't wed the queen because he had his own wife because he was actually third in line. But, and it was a tragic hunting accident that forced him to become a king when he didn't want to. Which, you know, he tried to raise to the ranks, but he didn't want to forsake his human wife and his children, so he never properly wed the fairy queen, and and then due to outside influences and stress, they're caught, the world's caught in a time loop, and his soul has actually fractured into several different aspects, and in order to save the world, you either need to destroy these, as- these other aspects, or help them understand what's happened so they can return to the king so he can become a whole entity and break the cycle himself. Or, or you could just kill him. Sounds a lot like Dark Souls 2. Well, it actually says on the, um, I've closed, no, I, I closed it, but it literally, like, the description they give for final line is, like, just what Aldia says in 2. <laughs> it's just like his speech about, will you inherit the order of the world or destroy it, but they change a couple of lines. It's like, it's, it's very clearly, like, open about what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is very much what you said, Richie. This is yeah. meant for the people who want to play Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. With, you know, whatever rule set they are comfortable with, without having to try to do any major, like, adjustments. Because while it doesn't have specific rules, it does have a bunch of points of interest. It has many cast of characters, items. Mm. It, this is very easy for somebody who wants to run a Souls-like art session without having to try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And I guess bringing back to what we talked about, like, what is and is not a Souls-like genre. Like, we're calling this Souls-like and it's not even a game. It's just a book. Mm Mm-hmm. So it shows that, like, what what makes something, you know, like Dark Souls is not, it's not necessarily the mechanics at all. You don't even need mechanics. You just need a sort of feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that is kind of nice to help you get the idea of the characters is in the back, there's an appendix that just gives the various motivations of the NPCs you could run in. So, you know, gives the NPC name, the page they're on, and then just a quick little blurb. What do they want? What do you want, truly? Well, like, for instance, Mauve, Queen of Winter, the Fairy Queen, she wants the restoration of Ember. She just wants things to start working again. Mm-hmm. Well, the king Brennan, he has the husk, which is his physical body, and then the four aspects of the builder, the husband, the father, and the summer king. Mm-hmm. And their motivations in order for the husk, starting with the husk, is protect the realm from threats. The builder wants to be the perfect architect, the husband to be the perfect husband, father to be the perfect father, and the Summer King to be a perfect ruler. Granted, none of that happened, and thus is why his uh, 
body is kind is kind of just I don't want to say hollowed, but more or less <laughs> he, he, his body is basically hollowed, but you can go out and find these aspects of him to unhollow him. So so you could almost so if you really wanted to, you could almost say this is like a this is a the secret uh, DLC ending of Dark Souls 1 where you restore Lord Gwen's sanity. Cool. King of the Gods, here's your sanity. Will you accept that you that you messed up the world? No. Okay, time for a boss fight. <laughs> Y'all being a little too hard on Gwen. Remember when you met Gwen, and he just one shotted you repeatedly. He invited us into his home, to his cave. He offered us tea, Richie. I think you're misremembering what actually happened. I remember very clearly. I had a lot of Japanese slippers that day. Yeah, yeah I remember you had some trouble getting there. Lots of falling off the edge of things. <laughs> okay, before we move on to the next one, can I go for like five minutes? Okay. Okay, okay. Bye, bitch. Bye. <laughs> if you need like to stretch your legs, grab a coffee or whatever, uh, Casey, you can do it now. I'm going to grab myself a, a water because what I because I'm already drained my what I was drinking before. Yeah, same. Okay, I'll see you in a couple minutes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so bad at opening cans. I have that Dr. Pepper that I'm trying to open and it's not working. Richie, get me a knife. <laughs> what? No. That's your answer for everything. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right. So we took a five minute break, but before we go on, what gummy bear color am I holding right now? I mean, what color gummy bear am I holding right now? Green? No, Richie? Orange? No, it's funny because there's a lot of green and orange in this box, but I took one that's just clear. Oh, so the color is no color. So I won the dice roll and I just won the yeah. gummy bear <laughs> color game. Sinclair's trick. I'm on fire today. <laughs> this girl is on fire. Oh no, put her out. <laughs> Oh yeah, Rich, I didn't tell you this one yet, but one time back in the union, my mom asked me to watch like a soup she was making for like 30 seconds, like it was on the stove. And they have like gas stoves, right? So it has like fire underneath. Yeah. But about three seconds in, I was like, mom, the curtain's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. She like ran in, she like put it out. It's fine. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So now, let's get back to the angelic outline. <laughs> what is the next game we're going to talk about? Uh, the next game, which is very much, I would say, the Bloodborne tabletop RPG because that is literally what it is, is called League of Seekers. And as just kind of... Because, uh, well, I am going to talk favor a bit, 
of it. I am going to say out now that I was a backer of the of its Kickstarter, and there is actually an NPC in there named after me. Oh wow, that's cool. I'm just giving that so that way when when I start talking about the good stuff, people will, will people will understand that there is a little bit of a bias. <laughs> so before we go, I'm gonna send Sin another. I'm gonna send Sin an image. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Sin, what does this image tell you? What do you think influenced this game? Okay. This is awesome. It's like oh, and they have a little mini boom hammer. I love it. Yeah. Cool. And they're literally a hunter. They are literally a hunter. It says it's time to hunt <laughs> because there's a cursed moon. And beasts. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna Google more pictures. Oh my god, oh my god. Oh, <clears throat> oh wow, okay, okay. Richie, okay, yes. Richie. Yes. Did you ever wonder what would happen if Rom and Amygdala got together and had a baby? <laughs> Why don't you show me? Yep, that appears to be it. <laughs> wow, I said it to you too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute! I, I have to give credit to their artist, because the artist does a really good job capturing the, kind of the gritty feel. Yeah, and definitely. As well as, there's an image that is, is that's in the around the middle when they're doing the, the uh, kind of gazetteer of, you know, what's happening in the world. Yeah. And there is a great monstrosity that, that rests on top of the Notre Dame Cathedral. Mmm. Whoa. It's set in an alternate, uh, like myth. What's considered the the common Cthulhu mythos universe, which, which, as just another side note, when it comes to the Cthulhu mythos, people who try to say that you know, you know, who get on other authors because you know things don't make sense or or some of the outer gods or artifacts seem out of character or what have you, just remember that. Well, when Lovecraft himself wrote this universe. He wanted it to be like actual myth cycles as such. Yeah. He doesn't mind if he didn't he didn't mind other people using what he created, so long as he could use what they created. And, and if things contradicted each other, he's like, that's okay. It's literally pick your canon. What do you think is canon that for your story? Because he was like corresponding with other writers and they were giving each other ideas all the time. I I mean I mean, I can't remember which stories it is off the top of my head, but he and another writer, as, as just kind of a joke, each wrote a story that had a character based on the other, and in both stories, that character based on their friend died a horrible, horrible death. Aww. <laughs> and they did that just because they're friends, and they're like, "Hey, you want to know how you you want to know how you died in my story? Oh, cool! Want to see how I killed you off?" That sounds like a great theme for the next Saturday Night's Night Covenant episode. What? How we'd kill each other if we wrote stories. Well, I would just leave you alone without supervision. Shade! <laughs> her life is just a series of her just endangering and injuring herself, but she's like Wolverine and just heals instantly so she learns nothing. It's true. I'm genuinely concerned about you. <laughs> the number of you just getting things off shelves using knives. <laughs> so now, getting back on topic, 
Casey, could you tell us a bit more about League of Seekers? League of Seekers, aside from being heavily inspired by Bloodborne, is set in an alternate take of the standard, what most people consider the Cthulhu Mythos canon. To the two major divergences is one in ancient times, the outer god Nodens, who, also known as the Keeper of the Abyss, Father of the Night Gaunts, uh, Enemy and Scourge of Nilarthotep, he basically laid with the daughters of man and created these, and basically created what the game calls the Nephilim, or those that have a bit of his, you know, divine, quote-unquote, divine blood in them, which gives them, you know, the and when that blood gets awakened, they get, you know, some soup, they, they become, you know, faster, stronger, they can hunt the terrors in the night. And the other major divergence was in what in what's considered Lovecraft canon, the writer of the Necronomicon, Abdul Alhazred, or as some people have uh, redone it as Abd Abtazred, because Abdul Alhazred is just an actual like Arabic is just gibberish. It it is it is not a name. Instead of being ripped apart in the in the market of Damascus after finishing the Necronomicon by an invisible beast, he instead was found by a brother a brotherhood of uh, of basically uh, mystics who, who gave him a place a sake a cell so he could write his revelations down, i.e., the Necronomicon before he mysteriously disappeared. Those are probably the two major divergences. I guess we should specify that, like, just so everyone knows, this is it's set on Earth. It's set like in actual 18th century. It's not um, it's not like Bloodborne, where like Yarnum isn't a real place. It's vaguely 19th century Europe, but it's not actually 19th century Europe. So this is a like yeah, this is ac- this is actually set in the real world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the th- and the thing that made the ma- the the twist and branching history in recent history was some workers in the British catacombs, while uh, doing some work, reno- you know, reinforcing some parts of the wall, they accidentally stumbled upon a series of tombs that should not be there. And in these tombs, they found a great beast, and they found that if they took some of its blood or some of its flesh, they could do, you know, the scientists could do strange things with it, which then caused the curse of the blood moon to happen, which then awakened the dormant blood of many people, which thus, and the mystics helped form the League of Seekers. And I I, I think you can see where this all goes from here. Yeah. And one of the people you can actually run into who's a good guy, Vlad Tepish Dracul. And much like actual real-life Dracula, well, he may be a bit bloodthirsty, he's also a devoutly Christian man. So, so you have this vampire who has seen all these elder evils and believes it is his duty as a God-fearing man to basically help these people and to strike back at all these evils. And I have yet to have a chance to run the game myself, but the rules seem pretty good. And it, so far, it's the only tabletop RPG game that actually gives you rules for parrying enemy attacks. Like, they, they have a table and all that, so you can actually, like, you know, parry and stagger your enemies. 
I guess like looking through it, obviously I, I haven't played it, but it's got um like it, it literally has like blood moons and you've got to you like it says characters battle their inner beasts steering the cursed moons. Yes, there is a uh, kind of a beasthood mechanic, and the mm. phases of the moon does play in on it, because when it, when a blood moon rises, not only can the people who are afflicted with the plague turn into beasts, uh, the veils between the different realities and realms actually weaken, so so magic in this game, ritual magic and witchcraft become stronger... And like spirits and demons and what have you can actually will actually can actually like just more or less they don't have to be summoned they can just like you know walk through and just be like hey I live here now. Hmm. If there is one criticism I have for the book, it's that even though they hint that you know there's these great treasures and secrets in these hidden tombs beneath the catacombs of Paris, much like the chalice dungeons. Yeah. The, 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 the only thing I think that's missing from it is there is no way to generate those dungeons. Mm. There is no random generator. Which I think is a missed opportunity. Yeah. Because those because the randomly generate right, quote unquote randomly generate dungeons are a lot of fun in Bloodborne. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And now we're gonna talk about the next game on the list, which is Krevborna? A gothic blood opera. Now, this one is another, you know, system agnostic book. It's just a setting. But, well, if Embers of the Forgotten Kingdom is, uh, you know, Dark Souls with the serial numbers filed off, this is Krevborna is Bloodborne with the serial numbers follow, filed off, but you can still see some of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I just looked at it and like it just outright mentions like the Church of Saintly Blood with blood martyrs and there's like a land of the blood moon and mm-hmm. so like you mentioned it's a gothic blood opera, so do people like sing as they play this? <laughs> the burden of the opera is here. <laughs> I, I I don't think so, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. To any, I again nothing against these people because it's a full setting. It's a you know 120 page book. Well, it has a lot of the same. Well, it has a lot of characters who are basically bloodborne NPCs, uh, with their names uh, filed off. Like uh, instead of Master Willem, I think it's Provost Wilhelm or something. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I do think the, probably the biggest thing that makes it different. Is how well, even though it has a lot of similar themes, is the kind of the difference in the cosmology because there are the gods who are missing, presumed dead. There, there are the elder evils who are basically the Lovecraftian gods. So you know, Lord Amagdala, basically Amagdala, Kaz, Ibrutus, or Ebriatus, depending on how you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And they actually gave a good explanation on what the difference between demons and devils are. Being that uh, when, when, uh, you know, that when they were, when the fallen angels were cast out of heaven, they were cleaved in twain by the, you know, by the heavenly swords, and their flesh became demons, while their spirits became the devils. So, 
you know, the spirit, so the, so they're incomplete beings who try, who long to be complete, but can never be complete. And then there are angels, but with the gods' disappearance, the angels, when they do appear, are more of a sign of fear and terror than a sign of, oh, good, yay, the cavalry's here. And then there's the fairies or fae or fair folk who, they just like to mess with people. I'm going through the author's blog and there's a faction of vampires who are trying to help their leader conceive a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in that and in that and in that faction, the captain of her guard is basically Martyr Ligarius. Yeah. Oh yeah, it and says he's an un- undead warrior bewitched to serve the countess. Again, it is it is bloodborne the tabletop. Yeah. With just without the rules. Which so to those following along at home, if you pick up League of Seekers and Krivborna, there you go. You have the rules and you have a setting. <laughs> what else can I say except yeah. you're welcome? <laughs> <laughs> One very nice thing about this book is it does have some very good like tables and uh, and a nice bestiary for just rolling things up as well as each one of the various little like landmarks or settings they give a good list of names for like you know taverns in this area what they would probably be called male names female names titles so that so that way you can make each of the points of interest feel unique Oh, there's a a, a um, isolated village full of witches called Hemlock. Hemlock. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And, and and there's a and there's a, a retired uh, uh, smith who's who they leave uh, alone, who totally isn't Master German. Totally isn't German, even though he has a wheelchair and he makes strange weapons. Hey, Sina, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you something else. Oh get God! Your reaction okay. To it. Okay. Choristers are the elite upper echelon of the Church of Saintly Blood. You know how you uh, joke about Miyazaki, like taking Berserk, being like, "Take this, replace with this." <laughs> That's what happened here. Take item description. The choir finds synonym. Chorister are the elite yeah. upper echelon of the Church of Saintly Blood. There's even a there's even like a pocket dimension you can reach, either by entering through a mirror or a painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going through the um, the blog of the writer. It I, I, again, no offense to the writer and no offense. Oh, to absolutely, this. It, yeah. No, it's it's just it's just like when we look at at like Dark Souls and we're like that whole area is just berserk, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and one thing they even do have is that they do have a selection of uh, various saints, demon lords, archfeyld, or evils to give you an idea or to just use. Like uh, one of their saints is Saint Florentine, the shaper of the flame, patron saint of craftsmen and inventors, who is normally depicted as a powerfully built blacksmith with a hammer and leather gauntlets. Or Saint Othric the Avenger, patron saint of crusaders and vampire hunters, a Haloed old warrior in black monk's robes, wielding a greatsword. All right. Thank you. 
So the next game on the list is Fragged Eternum. I guess we should um, clarify that, like, Fragged itself is a rule system, and, like, Eternum is a, a setting for Fragged, basically, yeah. Because Fragged Eternum as a name is, is extremely strange, so it's, but it's more like Fragged colon Eternum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or for to put it in parlance of uh, players of D anD D, it'd be it's it's basically saying like Dungeons and Dragons Guide to Faerun or Dungeons and Dragons uh, Adventures of the Sword Coast. So, like for people who are not RPG enthusiast, can you give us a real life example what it would be like for us? <laughs> Fragged is a rule system. And then you're like, what can I do with Fragged? What kind of stories can I run? Okay, okay. I get it, Richie. It's like Okay. It's like cooking butter chicken. I guess, yeah. Uh, I, I was I was gonna say it's more like a game engine, like how yeah, both yeah. Oblivion and Dark Souls both use the Havoc engine for physics and all that, but they yeah. do different things with it. Or or like how CS:GO, Half-Life 2, uh, Portal, you know, they all use the same engine, gaming engine. Yeah. But but yeah, so again, the, nothing against this rule system, but at least to me it seems a little weird, which is why this is the one I know the least of. The setting is set into a it, you are set in the city of Eternum in Eternal City. Basically, it's a city so vast, nobody really knows where it ends or if it ends. And it's it just seems to be infinitely, it's, it just seems to be districts and quarters upon districts and quarters. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, in this world, people live in fear because... The, the, it basically, because when they die... You know, the, within like minutes, they're going to turn into a ghost, and they'll and that ghost will either ascend to heaven or be pulled down into hell. Right. And and thus, there are the tethered who are who are uh, champions who are bound to giant soul lanterns, <laughs> and basically they more or less forsake their own afterlife to be guardians of the city, to strike down demons, to put ghosts to rest. And they basically do so while spitting in the eye of demons, devils, vampires, monsters, and celestials. Because even the angels can, are dicks in this setting, because if memory serves... One one quarter was basically destroyed when an angel came down and just kind of Sodom and Gomorrahed it. Just Aww. turn. Just granted, I think if I remember correctly, it was because a vampire was trying to summon like an army of demons. But there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, casualties. So what you're saying? There's a little soul reaver in there as well. Yeah. Okay. I'll just again. I'll sense in the cover of the thing to give you a rough idea. Oh wow! It's a hunter fighting a giant beast patient. 
kind of, yeah. They're setting, um, the more I looked into it, the more it seemed a bit like uh, Planescape from D&D. Mm. More so than, than Yarnum, yeah. I actually googled it too, Rich, and I have a picture here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really cute. It looks like a golem fighting German and Maria. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. I'll send it to you too, ma'am. It's like a Dark Souls Bloodborne crossover. Yeah, it's much more of a, a mashup from the looks of things. Yeah. yeah, which I'm sure the fragged engine is wonderful, but it was just so different than what I'm used to. Can you tell us why it is that you find the fragged system not a great fit for the Eternum setting? Uh, it's not that I don't find it a great fit, it's just... Mm, I think it's partially just... It's more of I was confused by some of the rules because I read Fragged Eternum before I read the actual like engine rules. So it's more... So you know, so it's more. I just had an incomplete picture, and while I do now own both, I haven't set aside the time to read the default engine so I could fully grasp it. Because, f- but but from what I can see from the various uh, reviews and other things, it seems to be well. People seem to be enjoying it. It's just the the biggest thing that's hard to manage in any tabletop RPG is when you is uh when you're managing more when you're ha- when you have to manage multiple resources at once right and what i mean by that for those at home is like hit points people understand that you know that's how much damage your character can take so even though it's an abstraction that in reality makes very little sense it's it's a useful abstraction keeps bookkeeping simple carry on uh, even with games that, enjoy, that have like a mana or stamina system, or both, again, it's their abstractions, but it's simple. You know, you do X maneuver, it costs X amount of stamina. You cast Y spell, costs Y amount of mana. No big thing. This game has rules for different stances, and which gives you different bonuses or negatives. It has uh, it has a lot of ch- it has charts on various ways weapons can splash and other keywords. Right. It's not so much that I think it's bad. It's more the more things you have to keep track of, even if you abstract it, is more bookkeeping that needs to be that's put on the pressure of the player and by extension the DM. It's more things that need to be balanced, more things that need to be accounted for. And I'm sure once you've learned and like mastered the rule set, that would be no problem. But it's but it increases the initial learning curve. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. The next game on the list is Beneath a Cursed Moon uses the game engine known as uh the Apocalypse game, game Engine, which is a very rules-light abstract where you're, you're given what's called a playbook. And your playbook, you know, has not only what you start with and it has some choices so you can quickly make your characters like, you know, I am a male, female, n- nondescript, you know, whatever. 
And then you can pick some equipment. You you have a few uh, different. Uh, it shows you your basic attacks, shows you your bonuses, and then as you gain experience, you can select. You can you fill in circles next to advanced abilities to show that you are how you have been creating your character and improving on them. Mm-hmm. So it is very simple. It's a rules like because every and all roll is in the player's hand, and it's done by rolling a 2d6 and then consulting a table, which I'm going to see if I can find the table quick, because it's a very, very simple system. And it's actually really good for people... For, uh... can't seem to find the table off the top of my in here, but the, the gist is the table is, like, on a 1 to 4. It's like, you fail and... So you not only did you fail, but something bad's gonna happen. Uh, you then like five to seven is you fail, but so it's like you've you know you still failed, but something good happens. Then there's one where it's like you make it. There's a, a succeed, but. And then there's you succeed and so right. It's it's very simple yeah. and it, it it's one of these. Well, there are some limitations to the to this engine because this isn't meant to make these really complicated, well thought out builds or or real intricate characters. At least from a rule standpoint, it's it's meant to. You're meant to, you know, print out a couple of these books, have your buddies pick a character, pick, basically pick their class, you know, fill in a few circles or circle the, the abilities they want, and then you can get to playing. Mm-hmm. So, and I would love to be able to talk more about it, because it does have some good stuff. Because the quote-unquote classes in this one, which this is actually the first game we've talked to that actually has classes proper is you have champions which are holy paladins changelings which is you know people who have been kidnapped by the fae which i'm again it's weird that in the various souls soulsian style you don't really say much of the fae or fair folklore mm-hmm. there's dreamers who are people who have been contacted by you know ancient dead yet dreaming gods and beings from beyond space and time uh, the fiend is basically those people who want to. Uh, they're not. They, they're script literally says not all demons are bad for whatever reason. Some of them turn out good. Basically, it's for those people who want to play Hellboy. Right. So, which means with this set in mind, you could literally play. If you really want to, you could play Hellboy versus Mikolash. <laughs> Then, then you have the hunter class, which is more or less a hybrid of the uh, of uh, they're mostly the Belmont clan from Castlevania, right? But the, but there is a little bit of uh, of the Bloodborne in there, as well as you have a necromancer, a scholar, a scoundrel for the thieves, a vampire class. Just in case you feel like being a noble bloodsucker. (laughs) 
And last but not least, the Warlocks, for those people who want to channel magic from hell. Hmm. Oh, scratch that one more. There's one class I forgot. Werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) Which one of their advanced abilities is called anger management. (laughs) (laughs) Beneath a cursed moon looks like it, it could be very promising, especially as like a gateway game. Or, or to or to pra- for practice to try to get like that gothic horror tone, right? But, yeah, yeah. So, but it's still very, very much in early development. Though it looks like it did get an update about uh, two months back. So to point, it from at least from the link I found. So. Hopefully, yep. that means that means we might get more of it because I am interested to see where it goes. Because out of every all the games so far, this is the only one we've talked about that's still in development, still being right improved upon. Okay, thank you. And now, the last game on the list. It is called Fan Made Dark Souls. By the by, Eman, by Emmanuel Galetto, or for the, or uh, Rus Rusterama on Reddit. Yep. So I guess like up until now, none of these games have actually attempted to copy the mechanics of Dark Souls. Really, they've either just been a setting, or they play like a, like an action RPG. But this one, like I, it is because it's literally fan made Dark Souls. They can't profit from it. It is free, and I've been reading it, and they do kind of attempt to recreate the stamina system from Dark Souls in it. Basically, if there is an attribute or starting class from any of the main Dark Souls, it's here. Right. And yeah, they recreate all the weapons and armor and. Uh, rings and things from Dark Souls are all in there. And he actually has a really nice take to explaining how, you know, when you defeat a hollow and they disappear in a puff of smoke and all that, you know, how you picked up the gear. Right. The way the guy here explains it is, you're not picking up a physical item, you're actually picking up the memory of an item and connecting it to yourself, because, you know, much like everything else, you have very little of a soul left. Right. Which is also explains why there's, well, there's no uh, item limit or carry limit in Dark Souls. There is one here because, you know, you can only hold so much. You can only attach so many outside things to your soul. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, well, most games when it comes to combat is very much follows the wargaming roots from being inspired by D&D where, you know, you have the grids and they're divided up in like either five foot or like meter squares and they have all this. And here yep. it's been, abstra- been abstracted down to just a series of three concentric rings. Yeah. Reminds me a bit of like a, like a Final Fantasy combat where it's sort of, it's abstracted out and you have like front, middle and back rows. And then that, that affects how you can act and how much damage you take and things. And what actions you can do. Yeah. Because the guy even says, especially when it comes with how you roll things up, is Dark Souls, especially when it comes to the exploration and all that, isn't about 
you know, making these meticulous, at least from a tabletop standpoint, it shouldn't be about making these meticulous maps. It's like you create, because when it does, when you are creating areas in this, you know, you put in a couple themes, you put in what's there, and then you just kind of leave it there. And you abstract the, kind of the exploring and you're setting the tone. And then if and when combat appears, that's when you worry about it. And this is something someone made for fun? Yeah. And this engine, well, there is a few... I guess the, I, do, I do see some similarities to it and some things I've read in the past. It seems more or less that he made this whole cloth. Yeah. So, so th- that means this man, for fun, for the people listening at home, basically sat down one day and was like, I love Dark Souls, but I also love tabletop games. Yeah. Well, it puts on Welder's mask. Time to fuse them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, because I found them on Reddit, and I clicked where they posted their game. And I'm looking through the documents, and although I'm not much of an RPG player, I really love manuals. <laughs> These are some really beautifully made manuals. I, yeah, and... This guy gets it, because you can do a lot with a little. It just shows you what you need to do in a nice, simple, and straightforward manner. Yeah. I- I'm going to say this. While you could hack or mess around with almost any tabletop game to run any kind of game you want, Yeah. to the people who want to play Dark Souls, I say just give this guy's game a try, because it's going to probably be the best one you're going to find. And I'll put the link in the description of this video. Yeah. Though, what I think might be kind of a fun little thing, since not only do I have the PDF and sounds like Richie does as well, yep. I also have a, a version I printed out in my hand, I have my dice, and I have some of the sheets oh, for nice. world creation printed nice, out. Nice. So I think it might be kind of fun if we spend a little bit of time okay. and we roll up Dark Souls 4. Cool. <laughs> All right. To the people at home, you're going to probably hear a lot of sounds of plastic bouncing on wood. That's that's me using physical dice on my little computer desk. <laughs> we have 20 names, I think, unless I forget to count. So let's figure out the name of our land. Okay, six, four. The, the name of this land is Lomnell. Mm. What did you just do? Okay, so on page 12 of the PDF, there is a table of land names. Now, the first number, and and you can see that next to the left of all the names, there are two numbers. The first number represents the first die I rolled, which I rolled a six, which that means I went to the bottom of the right-hand side, which gave me the choices of Cantal, Lomnel, or Aquetta? Aquita? Mm-hmm. Which then my then I rolled the die again. I got a four, so six four. Oh, Lomnel. Wow, it's like magic. It, it's math magics. <laughs> so now that we've now have a name for our cursed land, but and before we can have some conniptions, let's figure <laughs> out how many uh, lords are in this age. There. Okay, I got a one. We have four lords. Yep. Oh my god. Now we have uh, some lords, names, and detail and themes. Right. Hmm. E- yeah. So e- this is a full D sixty six table. Yep. Yeah. 
So you have a die with 66 sides? Uh, no, you, you get a D66 table, to put this into normal, is a table meant for you, for the rolling of two six-sided dies. Though I suppose if you had a, 60, a die with 66 sides, it could potentially work, but... Um, you, you roll, like, one dice for the tens and one dice for the ones. So, if, like, I'll, I'll do it now. So, like, I rolled, and I got a three and a two. So that's 32. Okay, now, according to the rules here, each lord has a name, one or more details, and then two two or two main themes. And the example they give is such as Pale Drake and Seath, whose themes would be betrayal and knowledge. Yeah. So let's make our first lord. Uh, okay. My first dice I rolled was a six. And then a five. So the name of the first lord of flame is Elena. Oh, cool. A detail about them yep. is I've got, I've rolled a two and a three. So two, three is, they are Elena the Watcher. Mm-hmm. Now, what are their themes? And and Richie, if you want to roll dice at any time, feel free. Okay, yeah, I, I'll do the next two then. Okay, then I will finish off Elena quick with, uh, let's do with two themes. So, two, one is knowledge, and so themes are knowledge, and two, 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 betrayal. So, I'll lead to the Watchers, whose themes are knowledge and betrayal. Mm-hmm. So, so, all right. I got uh, 4-2, which is Kradok. <laughs> yep, they are uh, 23. They're, they're a Watcher. Oh, we have two Watchers. Yep, and their themes are uh, Betrayal again and Isolation. And then the Next one will be it's 53, which is Udoc. They are they are a pygmy. And their themes their themes are their themes are madness and decay. That is the, okay, that one is strangely fitting for the pygmies. Yeah. <laughs> And then, now for me, for the last one, 66, we have Malageth. Must, must, that must be Mikalash's brother. <laughs> Their title is 45, the Ravenous. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope they get sleep. <laughs> Yep. Okay. First theme is 61. So they are covetousness. And. And 41, which is cruelty. Oh. Okay. So our, our the rough form of our lords for this age is. Yeah. E- 
Elena the Watcher, who know who is major themes are knowledge and betrayal. Krodok the Watcher, whose themes are betrayal and isolation. So it sounds like so I it almost sounds like those two probably had a falling out of some Yeah, they sort. Be, maybe betrayed each other. Oh over have, the knowledge, uh, yeah. <laughs> over the knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what's yeah, the other and, one? And, 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 Maybe the reason his other Krodok's other theme is isolation is he feels like he failed. Yeah, Elena. or 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 she they betrayed each other and he's like locked away in a prison somewhere. Oh. Next we have Lodok the pygmy, whose themes are madness and decay. So, sounds like to me he's probably a pygmy lord of some descript. Or, or actually, an idea is maybe he was conjured by maybe one of the Watchers, and his and it's his spirit, and he's bound there, and that's why hmm. he's gone mad. And there's decay because he's dead. He wants to return to being dead, and his desire for death is causing everything to decay around him. Uh-huh. And then we have Malagath the Ravenous, covetousness and cruelty. How would you interpret that one, Richie? Well, it sort of fits if you're, like, a covetous and cruel person. You could also be, like, constantly hungering for things. So you could be someone who just, like, consumed and consumed and consumed. Maybe, so, like, the... Yeah. So maybe, so, maybe, like, Aldrich a bit? Yeah, yeah. No, it's more like Attack on Titan. <laughs> so, it, so it's just like a giant, then? Yeah. Okay. 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 So Malag- So we've determined that Malagath the Ravenous is basically a, is is one of the giants. Yeah, he's a giant, and and he's uh, he covets all of this treasure, and but he's he's fed his own subjects because he's so hungry. He may have even at time. Yeah, he probably try. He demands tithes of gold from his subjects. Yeah, and if they can't pay in gold, they pay in blood and flesh. Yeah, there you go. Whoa. Okay, all four of these actually sound like real Dark Souls bosses. <laughs> and now we need to create covenants, which are the major players and factions of the land. And the system recommends that there should be one covenant per player. So we, since there's three of us in this podcast, I figure three covenants should work. Okay. okay. I'll send in like an online dice rolling thing she can join in. Uh, yeah, so that way we can each make our own covenant. Yeah. Okay. As we make Dark Souls 4. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys go first. Uh, do you want to go first, Casey? Or? I'll go first. Okay. So, okay, the first part of my covenant name is 43. So this is the Slayers. Oh boy, what are we slaying? Two, two and one of blue. Oh, <clears throat> the uh, I, I guess the knights of the is it the knights of the blue? The blue or, sentinels. The blue. Okay, the blue sentinels. It sounds like the blue sentinels are are really metal in this age. Yeah, they're they're, they're tired of being defensive. They're now gone on the offensive. Mm. I got your theme song. Yeah. I'm blue. All right. So I am. That one is. 
44, which is The Whisperers. And part two is Of Giants. Oh. I guess oh. they... Ooh, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? You sounded excited. I think you might be in on it with the other giant. So you think that they like go and they pass on his message because he's too big to go anywhere? Yes. So, 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 so those are the agents of Malagath. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the 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 dark hand, like the dark hand of Lothric. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So congratulations, Richie. You're now an assassin for a giant. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay. Right. So, Sin, do you have the PDF? Yes, I'm looking at it right Okay, now. yeah. All right, cool. Okay, so let me roll my dice. I need two, yeah? Roll two. Okay. Yeah, roll two. Come on, dice. It says five, five. Okay, let's see what's five, five. Widows? Yep. Okay. And then the other one is four, six. Okay. Widows of Iron? Yeah. Widows? Oh, Widows of Iron. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Just because I almost feel like if we're making this be Dark Souls 4, we should maybe just add on like one more Covenant, one more lore, just to say DLC. So, Sin, how about you roll up our the the DLC Lord? Okay. Okay. Three five is Yannick. Yep. Oh, that sounds like like Dark Souls. Okay. Yeah. And their title is five two, corrupted. Okay, the corrupted. So I think we might have found our yeah. our abyss boss. Yeah. Yeah. One that five. Makes sense, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's see what one five is. Oh, obsession! Oh, I rolled a good one. <laughs> obsession, and then we just need one more, and then we can have our. Oh, one more. Okay. Uh, come on, good. Come on, come on. Two five. The five theme. Two five is. Oh, hatred. Mm. Oh, I rolled a really good one. Okay, so it sounds like Yannick the corrupted. Especially with the name, the corrupted means he was probably once a really good guy, but but due to his own obsession and hatred, it has tainted him. No, no. I think what happened is he was really good, and then something happened, mm -hmm. which caused him to become like full of hate. Like he was obsessed with something, and then it didn't work out, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm full of hate now." Is that what he said? Oh no, I'm full of hate now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in, in his last moment of sanity, before he before he hollowed. Cripes, I'm full of hatred. And, and, and now, and now, how about you? Who wants to roll up the DLC covenant? I do. Okay. 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 One one. Oh, okay. Okay. What's one one? Sisterhood! Oh! Okay. And then three, four. Wait, three, four. Of the dragon! <laughs> oh, this is. You know how you have Brotherhood of the Wolf? You have yeah. Sisterhood of the Dragon! Oh! Okay, so we have five lords. We have four lords plus one DLC. And now we have four covenants. One of them is DLC. Yeah. 
I'm still on the world's sheet, and now I'm going yep. to, before we even start making up the areas, what I need to do is actually roll up and figure out where is our shrine. Oh. So, I guess this one we can just, like, make up. So, what's the, what should we name our fire, our shrine? Since we can just make this one up, it looks like. Yeah, Sin, what do you think it should be called? I don't know, Roger, you put me on a spot, I don't know, what do you think it should be called? I'm just seeing where the world sheet is. Uh, the world sheet, I think, is actually... the the. Oh, no, there there is a... um. If you go to page 32, I think we can use this for the shrines. Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Richie, roll the friggin' shrine! Alright, I thought you were doing it. Okay, 6-3, so it's... It's a waterway. Oh no, it's a water level! I shouldn't have let you roll, you ruined it. Yep, so we need a description, which is 65, so that's... The waterway of want. Waterway of want? Yeah, and its theme is... 23, which is knowledge. Okay, so... So that means our Firelink Shrine, the way I would interpret this, is is like it's an ancient library that is mostly sunk. So it so so everybody yeah. wants the knowledge that w- is kept there, but you know it's been but the ocean has has consumed it. I would interpret it as like Baywatch, but with PhD candidates. Okay. So a bunch of uh, uh, Ivy League alumni. In swims in swimsuits. <laughs> yes. I I was imagining like the um, the pre fishing hamlet area in Bloodborne, where you'd just be like on an island with water flowing around you, and there was no sense of time or place. I think yours and mine could almost be like melded together. That you're on this island, and yeah. you can like see like the towers and the spires of the library. Yeah. So that's so so that means the hollows all make their way to a sunken library. Uh-huh. Which okay. I cool. I mean that's better than the old RPG uh trope of you all meet up in a tavern. In the tavern, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, so the waterway of want is the is where our firekeeper is. And I think there was like a name generator. There's a list, but it's not a generator. Okay, Catrun. So our shrine keeper's name is Catrin. Right. Mm-hmm. Now we can start rolling up some of the other, the big world. I, I don't think we need to make, like, actual, quote-unquote, area maps unless you really want to. But I do think we should probably roll up, you know, the major ro- uh, landmarks of the world and start placing these bosses. Okay. Catrin the Firekeeper. Which page? We there's actually two pages. We there's actually two tables we can yeah. use. Yeah, we can use the first one, and we can use the second one. All right. So, and the way I'm going to determine where these go is, I'm literally just going to be rolling. I'm just going to roll two d six and go to that bubble. And we and we and right. we can figure out how. It's still page thirty three. Yeah. Yep. Thirty. Thirty two and thirty three. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks. So Sin rolled up the waterway of want. That was Richie. Mine would have been way cooler. 
Well, well, then how about you roll up the next area? Let me just figure out where it is quick, just for my own sanity. All right, 66. So I now know where where it is in the world. So let's make up a... So what's the name? Okay. So, by the way, my boyfriend's like, uh, I'm going to have to do some work in the garage. So I'll just mute myself <laughs> in between his drills. Okay. <laughs> so first roll... 33. Okay, 33. This is a sanctuary of something. 41. Sanctuary of festering. Oh, it sounds like there's mold. (laughs) Sounds like my old apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Six and five. Miracles. So that's the major theme of the area is miracles. So that works if it's a sanctuary. So yeah, it, so what would you say would be the like the thing of note in the shrine is there's a firekeeper, Katrina or Kateria. So what would you think would probably be the features and foes of this area? Like a lot of moss. Yeah. Just like moss everywhere. Right. That's what makes the miracles. Yeah. Miracle moss. Okay. And uh, enemies. What we don't really have a table for this, but what kind of enemies do you think would probably be here? Cryptobites <laughs> from Death Stranding. Yeah, because they chill in moss, but here they yeah. chill. They chill in moss to like eat its magic or whatever. Okay, so they've like gotten huge or something. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay, so yeah. well, now we know. So now we know that uh, Mr. Del Toro is uh, in this world. So there's moss, and we have these uh, these go these basically giant ghosts that are consuming this holy moss. No, they're actually not ghosts. They're like real giant uh, water bears, and then coincidentally, they're like the thing that the other giant likes to eat the most. Oh, so you have to bring them to him so he can eat them. Hmm. Yeah. So th- that almost sounds like uh, before you fight uh, Malagath, this sounds like this would be a quest he'd send you on. Like, uh, you'd, you'd meet him on it, sit- and he's sitting on his throne, and he goes, I hunger. But I can't, but, I, <laughs> but I'm almost out of my citizens. Could you please go to the Sanctuary of Festering and pick me up a snack? Oh my god, it's literally the Snack Covenant. <laughs> thing was this much fun i imagined it a lot more like uninteresting and like sad in my head but this is awesome (laughs) she does actually want to do like a um a tabletop episode at one point and i suggested she play big eyes small mouth because she wanted to do like an anime thing but we might do this (laughs) yeah Okay, so before we wrap up, we'll do a couple more areas to get a sense of our Dark Souls 4 world. So, I'll do one. I'll use I'll use table two, because we haven't used that one yet. I got 53, which is the dungeon. 
uh, 11, which is whispering again, and 66, which is humanity. So it's the dungeon of whispering humanity. I think, like, we came up with the, the Lord who was isolated. Uh, yes. So maybe he, yeah, he could be, he could be isolated in the dungeon. So, so yeah, so we have one of the, so we finally have a place for one of the Lords, and that was Craddock. Yeah. So, yeah, so Craddock can be isolated in the dungeon where the humanity is, like, whispering to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the humanity sprites can, can, like, whisper to him, but he can't get out. They're not whispering to him, they're like, hey, guess what this is? ASMR dungeon. Yes. Yeah, that's what sent him insane because it's just you going like, "What noise is this? What noise is this?" No, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm doing table two as well. One four is ruins. Two three of idols. And the major theme is one one madness. Whoa! So, that almost sounds like that might be where our friend the pygmy might be. Yep. It, it, it maybe he's in the ruins of wherever he was like summoned or 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 brought to, and maybe the reason it's the ruins of idols is he's he's just so mad now that he's he basically is just creating gods. Hoping one of them to be real, so he can finally be Ooh. put away. He can finally rest. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very good. To me, though, it more sounds like ruins of idols is more like ruins of husbands, and like yeah. the pygmies. Like, man, I used to be so important in Dark Souls yeah. One, and now we're in Dark Souls Four, and like nobody even remembers me. You know? I thought you meant like a, a bunch of like washed up boy bands or something, <laughs> just hanging around there. The other three guys from NSYNC, just like, what happened? <laughs> the the soundtrack for this section is an orchestral version of Backstreet's Back. <laughs> I, I think, okay, so we have three areas. How about we just each do one more area and we'll call it. Okay. So, Sin, do you want to do another area? Yeah. You can use sheet one or sheet two. Okay, I'll use sheet two. Yeah, and we'll use the ones we didn't use last time. Mm-hmm. So, three, four... We have a lair. Lair? Oh, lair. Three, two. Oh, these dice are being very consistent. Blessed? Like a blessed lair. Okay. Yeah. And the last one is five, two. Traps. So, uh, lair blessed with traps? Uh, I was thinking, like, maybe there was, it was the lair of a monster, and in order to pacify it, they had to, like, bless it to make it non-hostile. But in the air, but the area is still full of traps, maybe left over from the, yeah, uh, yeah. but from before they pa- pacified it. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe to keep it, to keep it inside so it can't get out. So, actually, we all know that the most blessed thing in the universe is snacks. So Mm -hmm. a layer of snacks, and it's full Mm -hmm. of, like, bear traps or whatever, so that people don't go in there and steal the snacks. So it's it's like Donkey Kong's banana cake. That's what I was thinking! That was- I literally was imagining that, yeah! Yeah, 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 I got- got, we're we're very in tune. (laughs) Okay, I'll do my one, I'll do sheet one again, so. 
44. Which is the village. 23 is of chains. And the theme is fear. Oh, I think we I think we mm. found where uh, Malagath probably lives. Yeah, yeah. So I'm imagining like a a village. It's sort of like um like Yarnum during the hunt, where everyone is so scared that they chain everything down. Mm. And they chain all their doors and windows shut, so there's people, but you don't you don't interact with them. Mm-hmm. And if you try to go up to the houses, they start like screaming at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So we have the village of fear, sanctuary of fest. Okay, so it's just me, and we have uh, three of the five lords placed. Granted, what we, th- that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. But let's see, I'm rolling... 66. I found... I, we, we, we found a garden, folks. Okay, it is the garden of... 35. The Untended. Oh, that's good. That fits really well, the Untended Garden. Yeah. Yeah. And what is, what is its major theme? 14. Glory. Ah, so it, it's so th- this is like somebody's former it, it's like faded glory, lost brilliance. Mhm. Maybe maybe this is maybe there's knowledge there, maybe this is where Elena is. And maybe Oh yeah. And maybe the reason it's untended is because of her betrayal of Krodak. Mm. Mm-hmm. And on some level, she knows, you know, what she did was wrong, but it's too, but she, it's too late. Right. Which, well, we each made two areas, and yeah. the, the only, and the only, and we were able to find a place for every boss with the exception of Yannick. Yeah. We, well, I think the DLC Lord should be in the painted world again. Shade. <laughs> but it's called the painted world of Aaron Dorf. Oh my god! Okay, you, you know what? Fine then. I'm just going to put on on a table yep. paint painted world <laughs> of Aaron Dorf. Yep. And, and that's where Yannick hides. Yes. Excellent. And, and let's just figure out a theme. I'm going from table one. 61. The theme is blood. So the painted world of Ariandel. Again. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you, wait, no, you know what? Let, let, let's put, let's make this be- a bit better. Let's, let's, let, let's do the grand theory. Let's connect all of the FromSoft games. <laughs> Okay. The painted world of Ariandorf is Yarnum in winter. <laughs> Good, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the game, when you go back, you complete a quest there, and the little girl is there rolling dice to determine the next world. Aww. Uh, yeah. You have to follow Gale to the Ring City to steal the pygmy's dice <laughs> so that she can roll a new world. <laughs> That was The Influence of Dark Souls on Tabletop RPGs, and we ended by using the unofficial Dark Souls fan RPG to generate Dark Souls 4. And our guest... (laughs) Guest, can you tell us where to find you? Uh, my my name is Casey, I'm otherwise known as Vantman24. You can find me... I have a YouTube channel I haven't updated in like five years. (laughs) That's the Vantman24. 
thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate it. Yep, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very, very much. Richie! Richie! Yes. Sorry, let me see if my boyfriend's gonna drool. You're gray? Oh, he's drooling a little bit. Oh! One sec. <laughs> Is this how a normal podcast session goes? Yes, yes. So, 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 you, so there's like a page, two or two pages of notes, and then stuff happens and it's three hours later. Yeah, and then she edits it down to about, like, 90 minutes. <laughs> now, Richie thought I would forget, but I didn't. No, I forgot. But I feel like, you know what, Richie, you were saved by the drill, because I can't have a conversation with the Bruitus with this thing in the background. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> I I've heard of saved by the bell, but not never saved by the drill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, depending on how much gets cut, uh, my boyfriend had to do some work in the garage. So, um, it looks like my boyfriend saved you, Richie. Mm. Yeah. Mm. He does constantly wonder, like, why are you so mean to Richie? Richie's so nice, don't bully him. And he does tell you, Richie escaped before it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hear that from him, and your response is that the problem is with him and me. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much, Vamp. Thank you so much, Richie. Thank you, Sin. Yeah. We had to cut this three-hour podcast uh, a little short because there's some garage work going on. But uh, yeah. yeah, thanks, everyone. And uh, I'll turn it up now. Okay. I liked when I said thanks, and you just went, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's like, thank you, G, thank you, Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs>